Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Jamie Eisner here along with Jake Arians and did you win your fantasy championship last night? No. Do you still need to wait? <laughs> do you still need? I did not either. Uh, do you still? Are you still waiting for something to happen tonight? Uh, are you crying over the fact that Dalvin Cook will not be playing? All of those things, but we will get into the Packers-Vikings at the end of the show. But let's break down every single game, the big injuries, the takeaways, what you need to know, uh, and let's get right into it with the Saturday games, the, the Houston Texans, uh, and the referees beat the Buccaneers 23-20 to uh, in this game. Uh, this was a – in the first half, let's not say it was a good game. It was an entertaining game in the first half. It got to be a good game late. A, a lot of controversy with officials, a lot of turnovers for both quarterbacks in this game. It was really just a, a weird environment all around. Um, there wasn't really a huge fantasy day for anybody on Houston. Uh, Ronald Jones had a pretty big day. So did Prashad Perriman for – Tampa Bay, but otherwise there wasn't really a lot of fantasy value to be had. If you started Deshaun Watson, Nuke Hopkins, uh, you, Jameis Winston, you were probably unhappy with the championship performance you got. Jake, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, you need the nail on the head. I mean, the officiating was just brutal. I mean, there's been some really bad games this year. This is probably the worst that I saw. I was really proud of it. the second youngest team in the NFL without Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. They played their tails off. They put up like 460 yards of total offense. Outgained them by 200 yards. This young defense was spectacular. Held them to 280 yards total offense. Uh, maybe less than that. I think it was under 250. Deshaun Watson's third worst day of his career and Nuke Hopkins' worst game of his career. Carlton Davis shut him down, and you don't see that. I mean, just beat him up, physically shut him down. It was absolutely awesome to watch. The four turnovers were horrendous uh, from Jameis. And Peyton Barber, who doesn't fumble, fumbles. And they're still right there, and they lose by three. And this was absolute giveaway from the Bucks. If they have Chris uh, Godwin and Mike Evans, I think they win by 20. Not a big fan of the Houston Texans after watching them live. They got serious deficiencies. I don't think they're going anywhere. Uh, they might win this division, but they're not very good. Um, Fantasy-wise, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, Ronald Jones has rips off a 49-yarder, has a, has a solid day, uh, has a couple catches. Perriman looked good. Perriman's really come into his own the last four or five weeks and is going to be a really solid piece moving forward. Yeah, I think that's the from a football takeaway, that's the biggest takeaway that I have is Prashad Perriman, who is a guy that – we, look, he has a first-round pedigree. We talked about that in the offseason and about that other receiver there that could emerge alongside Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But he had some adversity early in the season. He, he played poorly a lot of at different points early in the season, and he's really come on in the second half. And now that they've asked him the last couple weeks to be the guy and to step up into that role, he's done more than an admirable job, which, again, I think that says a lot about him as a player and him as a character, him character-wise as well, to be able to perform in that scenario. But look, going look going forward in the next season, it's going to be really interesting to evaluate where this Tampa Bay team is because they're, you look at some of the ways that they have lost games this year, whether it's officiating calls, whether it's uh, poorly timed turnovers, whether it's all these other things, whether it's, again, another case of spotting a team seven points right out of the gate. Uh, this is a team that could do some damage next year if they just – one, if they get a little bit more lucky with the referees. Uh, I mean, there's nothing they can control on that aspect of things, but limiting some turnovers a little bit, maybe getting more established ground game. And for the Texans, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with Buffalo in round one. I, I, don't, I, don't, not, I don't think I'm going to pick them to win that game. A lot of trouble. 
They, they, this team does not – just something about this team doesn't look quite right. Uh, and, and, you know, this is – you get a lot of credit for this because you point out on the show that we did – I believe it was on last Wednesday. You said, be careful with everybody that's just talking about how bad the Buccaneers secondary is for fantasy purposes. That that's a lot of past value from early in the season, that they are playing differently lately. And a lot of people started Watson and the Hopkins thinking they, they were going to lead them to a championship. Not that you're going to bench those guys, but – they were starting in DFS lineups uh, on Saturday in a lot of places because people thought they would be the winning combination, and they got shut down here. What have you done for me lately, right? I mean, I, I sat there and told you. I mean, this defense was spectacular. The only game on national TV, they got to see a lot of these young guys. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy, Bunning, Devin White. Levante David is a star that nobody talks about. JPP back with three sacks in a game. Vita Vea, Sue still getting it done. I mean, this defense, we can keep it together, is going to be really good moving forward. It's going to be really interesting to see what it looks like next season because I think – I wonder if the Buccaneers are going to be a trendy pick or fly under the radar next year. We'll have to kind of see what the narrative is. Uh, I know what we think on our show, but we, we obviously pay attention to the Bucs a lot more closely uh, than most outlets that cover the league nationally. So it will be interesting to see uh, where they are next year. Let's get into the second game on Saturday, which really did feel like a playoff-like environment. It felt like a playoff game. The, the intensity, uh, the fact that, again, it gets dark so early on the East Coast that – uh, everything felt like this was like a, a playoff game, and this might actually be a playoff game at some point uh, if everything breaks right. Uh, the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots, the Patriots score 11 fourth-quarter points to eke out the 24-17 victory in this game. Josh Allen has a pretty decent fantasy day, gets up over 20 points for you. Cole Beasley with a big game in the slot. And for New England side of things, Rex Burkhead's really starting to come on, Sony Michelle as well. This team is starting to transition a little bit into a, a more of a run first team and in the sense that they're sticking with it now where they were going away from it earlier in the year. Jake, what are your fantasy and real life takeaways from this matchup? Well, real life, the bills aren't quite there yet. You know, they went in and they fought better than I, I, I picked them to win. I, I thought they'd look a little bit better than that to the Patriots credit. I've said all year, you only get a couple guys to come off IR and they had to go to Nikhil Harry. So they couldn't bring Devlin back. What they did was take a linebacker and make him a fullback and he played his tail off. Same thing they did last year. Started the power run game with the fullback, going heavy lineups, and running it down your throat. I did not think they'd be able to do that to the Bills. The Bills gave up the run more than they have all year, and it was kind of ugly. Josh Allen played his tail off. The dude's going to be good. He runs around and makes plays. John Brown had that big one where he just absolutely put it on Gilmore, which you don't see very often. That route for that touchdown, that 51-yarder, was spectacular. Um, The Patriots, give them credit. I mean, they made plays, but their defense – their defense is good. They're not great. We've talked about that. They gave up the big play. Josh Allen moved up and down the field. Singletary had a decent night. They couldn't really stick with the run as much as I thought they would in Buffalo, and they gave up too much on the run defensively. Fantasy-wise, I sat Edelman and probably shouldn't have, but I just two targets for nine yards against the Bengals the week before. I didn't think there was any way he was going to be healthy enough to play as good as he did. He, he's tough as nails. He gutted it out. That was about it. Yeah, there really wasn't a ton. Like, look, five for seventy-two for Metalman. Like, that's it's fine. Like, that's it's fine. It's not something that you're. I don't think you're going to be regretting having him on your bench. There, he's been banged up. He got gutted it through there. James White had a bad game here. For those that were relying on him in a flex spot, you know, three carries for five yards, four car- four catches for twenty-four yards. Didn't really do anything for you. You know, Buffalo side of things, I you know, I thought Singletary would have a little bit better game. They would be able to establish the run a little bit more, but game script kind of caused them to go away from it. Only 46 yards on the ground on 15 carries. Cole Beasley got his. Obviously, John Brown had that huge touchdown catch, but that was really all he had uh, on his four targets. Josh Allen played well. 
you know, I, I take away from real life from this game that Buffalo is still probably like the fourth best team in the AFC. Like, and that's that's fine. It's not that's, a bad place a, to be. It's not a bad spot to be. They're gonna. They're. I think they're gonna be better than the the likely Houston team. I guess there is still a chance that they could play Kansas City. There's things get weird there, but they're likely gonna play Houston. Uh, you know, in in the first round. Uh, I believe Houston's. I don't. For some reason, I don't think Houston's fully locked in the four slot yet. There's a lot of this weird strength schedule stuff that's going on right now that that somewhat matters and doesn't matter. Like with the Steelers and Titans, they both they both lost, but the Titans jumped them. Like all this weird things that that happen this time of year when these teams are so close. But uh, look, Buffalo. I think they're going to be in a good position to win a playoff game. That's probably as far as I'll take them. But this has still been a hell of a year for them. And I, I, Josh Allen's progression as a passer and him limiting his turnovers is humongous for the future of this franchise that he there's a really good chance he ends the year with fewer than 10 interceptions and I think that would be not something I would have even come close to expecting if you asked me that in the offseason that's a tremendous benefit to the Bills going forward uh in the late game the high scoring game of Saturday the LA Rams fall to the San Francisco 49ers 34-31 they are eliminated from playoff contention this year so somewhere Paige is clapping uh because that's one of her bold calls at the beginning of the year that the Rams would not make the playoffs uh, Jared Goff has a better game than I expected from him in fantasy wise. Uh, then 323 yards, two touchdowns, interception. <laughs> Gurley gets two touchdowns on the ground, but didn't look phenomenal. Uh, Robert Woods had a big game. Tyler Higby continues to be a huge part of this offense. Uh, Brandon Cooks is alive again, gets into the end zone. You know, and from San Francisco's point of view, George Carroll still continues to be an absolute monster. Jimmy looked okay. Uh, it was just it was just like a weird game all around because like the Niners scored 34 points and it didn't really feel like they did. Uh, that, that's that's kind of my takeaway from this game is that I, I still don't have a great read on whether are, are the Niners a, a great team or are they a really good team and I'm still not sure yet. They're really good and Jimmy G was blah other than when it really mattered and he stepped up and made plays. Kittle is great. He's absolutely freaking spectacular. Manuel Sanders needs to be a bigger part of this. I mean, he's covered by Jalen Ramsey. He has that big play late where the rookie safety just completely blows the coverage. But they, hadn't, they haven't uh, executed a third and 15 all year, and they go back-to-back third and 16 on that last drive to get down to kick that field goal. You know, Richard Sherman, grade two hamstring separation or grade two uh, hamstring tear, and he misses one game. And you could tell he wasn't 100%, but he was out there playing. He played good. I, you know, to me, offensively, as much as I love Kyle Shanahan, they're killing themselves. Mostert is by far their best back. When he's in the game, it, their offense runs better. There was the same thing last week, same thing this week. And they keep going with, like, Breida doesn't play at all, but he's on the sidelines. Coleman and Mostert are switching out every series. It, made, it just made no sense to me. I think they could be better than they are. So I'm going to say they're a really good team. I don't think they're a great team yet. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I mean, look, Mostert has an okay day for fantasy purposes, 53 yards, gets in the end zone, so he gets you what you need. But he didn't have one but, of those, like, patented screen passes when he's been the guy all year. They get him in space because of that speed. There was none of that going on. It was it was really interesting to me. I guess I, yeah, only one but, only one target for him in this. It was only one target to running backs. Like, it was just a weird. That's not Kyle Shanahan, man. That's, that's, that's weird. That makes no sense to me on a team where you can get guys in space. Now, Corey Littleton is a phenomenal linebacker, and he's phenomenal at covering running backs out of the backfield tight ends. So I get a little bit of that, but it's just not what you do. It didn't make a lot of sense. On the Rams side, man, golf was okay, but you throw a pick six, try to throw a flat route to a running back in man coverage. That's just inexcusable stuff for a guy that just got a $130 million contract and richest player in the NFL, the first round, first overall pick. That's so elementary that you you just can't do it, and it cost him the game. 
And they built that lead. They jumped on them. They were playing really good. And then that happened and the wheels fell off. Where that team goes moving forward with, with the salary cap stuff, they're going to have a problem. I mean, they, they got to sign Jalen Ramsey. You gave up everything for him. That's going to be more than Aaron Donald. They're going to have so much money wrapped up in golf and Gurley and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I, I just don't know what they're going to be able to do moving forward. They're going to lose a lot of really good players. Yeah, and, and look, as I sat back and watched them once they officially got eliminated, just thinking about how much talent is sitting at home this postseason between the Rams, the Chargers, and the Browns. Of Just how much talent, how many high-paid athletes are sitting there. And the Bears, yeah. Uh, I'm just sitting there and going, wow, like that's that's a lot of talent that's sitting at home this uh, this postseason for these teams that really had a lot higher expectations than they ended up having this year. Uh, let's move into the Sunday games, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons win 24 to 12, uh, just a complete mess of a game for the Jaguars pretty much all around, even though DJ Chark comes back, doesn't do much. Uh, on the Falcons side of things, Julio Jones, another huge game, 10 for 166. Austin Hooper finally looks like his old self, 7 for 82. Devontae Freeman, 9 for 74 and a touchdown through the air. Both Hill and Freeman have success on the ground. This Jags team is, I mean, saying they are sputtering to the finish line is being kind. This is a disaster of a way to end the season for them. You know, it is, but I, 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 look, I watched a lot of this game and went back and forth. and They fought to the end. Atlanta jumped up. It was 14 nothing before you could blink. They're rolling. Matt Ryan's rolling at home. And it was 17-3. And they couldn't do anything else. They got one late touchdown off a turnover. It's 24-12, and the Jags turn it over on the four-yard line on fourth and goal. Or it's like really, really close game. Like I, The Falcons, they have issues. I'm going to go ahead and, and eat, eat my crow now, Jamie. I had to play my wife in our finals. And not only did I lose, I got my ass kicked. And I put up 160 points. She has two players playing tonight, and she's at like 185. One of the the trophies I am going to win is husband of the year, not fantasy football of the year, because I said, take out Hollywood Brown and put in Devontae Freeman. As I'm playing her, I was this nice. Who goes for 35 points? Uh, he's back. He looks phenomenal. Julio, big day. He's banged up again. They lost a couple guys on defense. This Falcons team's another one really interesting. I mean, is Dan Quinn going to keep his job? They fired all the coordinators last year. What's going to happen with this team moving forward? Uh, is going to be really, really interesting. But they they should have blown the doors off this Jaguars team. And they let them hang around, and it almost got really interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, neither one of these teams is anything special. Uh, I mean, the Falcons are playing a little bit better here to end the year, but it's it's more like their defense is playing a little bit better to end the year than anything yeah, else. Yeah, Ricardo Allen went out in this game. I'm not sure if he came back or what the injury status is there, but they lost another piece. I mean, I, I know we haven't talked about Dan Quinn in what feels like weeks now, but it, I would be surprised if they don't make a move in the offseason. They're still – I mean, look, you just paid Julio Jones. You still have Matt Ryan. I think you, you have to. Have, I mean, look, you fired all three coordinators last year so he could keep yeah. his job, and you're going to go, what, 7-9 and nine at best. I mean – Yeah, you're at the point where you have, your expectations are, are win the division. They're not – they're not even just sneak in, although that would have saved his job in this hypothetical world, but – their expectations are much higher than being a seven, eight, nine win team. Like with the players that they're paying now, yeah, for sure. Maybe they shouldn't be, but that's what they are. No, it's exactly so, what they should be. You're, you're, you have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Freeman. Like you just said, it. that alone, if you piecemeal the rest of it together decently, should be a playoff team. It should. So and so, so this other team that ended up losing on Sunday, the Cleveland Browns keep it close early, but and by early I mean in the first quarter, uh, but end up losing this game, thirty-one fifteen. Uh, look, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson just continue to find a way to put up offense. He's over 100 yards again on the ground, 238 yards, three touchdowns through the air. 
Andrews Ingram have a big game. Although Ingram leaves with a calf injury, we'll talk about that in a second because that, that, that looked like an big, Achilles. I'm glad to hear it's a calf, but yeah, because that like that looked Achilles. really bad. Uh, and I know again they're essentially going to have two weeks until they play another meaningful game, but that's, that's an not injury to kind of keep an eye on. I know, especially again we've. It's been the, it's been a weird year of calf injuries across the sports world, and if you those of you that just think oh it's just a calf injury, yeah, it was, well not quite. There's there's one uh, word on that on that calf injury to keep an eye out for. If they start talking about a gastroc, it's where the calf attaches to the Achilles, and if you look at like the tearjerker, the heart, the like upside down heart of a calf, right? That's where that Achilles attaches right in there to the gastroc. If they start talking about that, there's no way he's back in two weeks. He ain't back in probably three or four. Yes, and that becomes really interesting to watch over the course of the next few weeks to see, will they have Mark Ingram? Will they have to go the combination of Gus Edwards and Justice Hill uh, for the postseason? So we'll we'll see what happens there uh, in Baltimore. But in in terms of fantasy days, obviously Lamar Jackson, another huge performance. Mark Andrews, another huge game. Uh, Ingram got you what you needed before he left this game injured. Uh, And on the Cleveland side of things, I mean, Beckham gets a late touchdown. Landry has a pretty decent game. Chubb, not so much. They just went away from Chubb. They came out of the second half, gave it to Chubb. He goes to 12 yards, 11 yards, and they go right away from it again. They they just haven't made the commitment to the ground game. I said in the preseason is what they're going to have to do. As much as they want to go high-flying, whatever else, they need to do what they did last year that made them so good, and they haven't all year. Yeah, it's it's been a – I mean, look, we've we've talked ad nauseum about – all of the issues that the Browns have, but they they have way too much talent on this team to be to be this bad. And, and look, some of it's on coaching, some of it's on the players, some of it's on the mentality of the team. Like, there's a lot of issues there. There's not just a one singular fix this one problem and you're good. But this was just a, it, this was a fitting way for their playoff hopes to end uh, in a game that they they just didn't. I mean, I look. They kept it close early, but you never felt like they were going to win this game. Like I, I know there was like they had decent intensity, and the Ravens just didn't get it going yet. And you felt like at any moment they could. And then, boom! The Browns blow that coverage. Jackson hits Andrews for the easy touchdown, and then boom, boom, boom! They they put up twenty one. You were just almost kind of waiting. Like it was like, all right, they're just the Ravens are kind of sputtering to get going. But as soon as that that carburetor kicks on or whatever, whatever it is in an engine, like boom, here they go. And it was all Lamar Jackson. God, he's fun to watch. He really is. There's a couple like third and fours where he makes like four dudes miss in a two yard space and then just dies for a first down. You're just like, how do you stop that? He's special. It's musty TV. It it absolutely is. And look, even the passing downs, they'll have like one dude in a pass route on a play action read option. And it's Mark Andrews. the, the, The third touchdown Lamar Jackson has his right foot forward because he's getting hit. By the way, those of you who don't throw, your left foot is forward if you're right, if you're right-handed. He has his right foot forward, steps with his right foot, almost like you're playing darts. Throws with his right foot in his right hand, back shoulder to Mark Andrews, away from the corner, who's covered, who makes a phenomenal catch for the touchdown. I'm just like, I mean, you got stuff like that happening, and then this defense is balling like they are. Man, I, they look they look good. They look. It was, a, it was yeah. a big win for them. Just to start off that slow to still put up thirty-one points was impressive. Start off slow, fumble the ball on a read option. Like it just, it was all, all that stuff was, and they still end up winning this game by uncovering and jumped off sides on fourth and white stuff they haven't done yeah. all year, and they still blow their doors off and cover this game. So if they clear and look, aside from the Ingram injury in this game, they've been relatively healthy too, which I think is a really scary thought. Uh, yeah, the secondary was banged up early, and they make the Marcus Peters trade, and then they get Jimmy Smith back, they get Carr back. Marlon Humphreys has been a superstar all year. Should be up for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you beat them. They're stopping the run. They're blitzing. But that secondary with all those pieces, with Earl Thomas, by the way, in the back, yeah, uh, 
it feels like one of those teams that has to beat themselves in the postseason. Like you have to catch them on an off day and execute to the highest. And this kind of was their off day, right? Like you said, they fumbled the read option, which never happens. They jump off sides on fourth down. They made some stupid mistakes early, stuff that they haven't done all year. And you're like, if that's their off day, and they crush a Browns team that's that talented. Eh. Oh, man, they look good moving forward. They do. It's going to be tough to see. Uh, next game, uh, the Carolina Panthers and Will Greer's first start get blown out 38-6. to Naeem Hines, the first player since 1997, with two punt return touchdowns in the same game. Uh, look, this was – like you're getting Will Greer out there for some action. Uh, it was not good. His offensive line was worse, uh, and his offensive line did not help him at all in this game. He gets sacked five times. Uh, McCaffrey gets his because he's going to – Because he's mean, an absolute I, freak. I, <laughs> 15 I'm convinced if you just put UAB out there against an NFL team, not just, just because I'm, I'm using your team, and you put Christian McCaffrey on their team, he's still going to get 30 fantasy points somehow, even if nobody else on the team does anything. I'll take it. Uh, he, he will find a way. Uh, DJ Moore gets hurt in this game fairly early, took a big hit. Uh, it just This game was just a complete disaster on all elements of the game for the Carolina Panthers. Marlon Mack looked pretty decent like we thought against this bad Carolina rush defense, 95 yards and a touchdown. But that's really it. I mean, there was really no fantasy relevance in this game aside from Marlon Mack and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, my takeaway is I told you Kyle Allen's hard to, to project what he's going to be because the offensive line was so bad. He started off really good. And then the offensive line got that bad. He tried to make plays. He started turning over. My other takeaway is Ron Rivera's a damn good coach. What happened when he left? His players like him that much. They care for him that much. They felt absolutely deflated since he got fired early. And I don't, I, from what I'm hearing, they have no real direction on where they're going. It's not like they had their guy and they went and got him. Yeah. Why, why do it? That, I don't know. Whole other subject. But, look, Indy at home was a different team. I thought they'd win this. I didn't think they'd win it like this. Naheem Hines, look, speed matters. And you get a dude with, with that kind of speed and space on those punt returns, that was fun to watch. They had interceptions. Their front seven stingy. I mean, McCaffrey's okay running it, but he had 15 catches. Credit to him for breaking his own record for most catches for a running back. I think he was ended up with like 109 with a game to go. Uh, he had 107 last year. Uh, so, yeah, so he got his, but that was about it. Like you said, Moore went out early. Samuel did nothing. Uh, they just couldn't get anything going. And I don't know how you evaluate any quarterbacks, especially a rookie in his first start with offensive line play that's that bad. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I you can't. I mean, he, he Will, Will Greer was set up to fail in this game. Like, it just it is what The it biggest is. question mark on Greer was, is the arm strength elite enough? There was an interception late. The corner made an unbelievable play. He was beat by five yards. Safety wasn't there yet. It should have been a touchdown. And the quarterback arm strength, that was the throw that you could really actually do some projections on, wasn't enough, in my opinion. Like, that should have been a touchdown. He had to put too much air under it to get it there. He still underthrew it. Corner makes great up, great recovery and catches it. So that's like the one thing you could see there. I mean, to me, it was a rookie in his first start. Kyle Allen looked like a better player and definitely a more polished player, but he's been turning it over so much. You, I, I get why you make the move to see if the guy you drafted's worth it. They got big issues moving forward. Yeah, the reality is that they're, the likely QB of the future there is not in the building right now. Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely think that's the case. I mean, but I think Kyle Allen has proven to be a more than capable backup. Yeah, that, so it's still going to be a cheap price. I mean, if that's your case, and you don't have to get rid of Greer. I mean, you, you traded for him, so you could leave that as your two and your three. And if it's Andy Dalton for $15 million a year or some of these other – Phillip Rivers for a year for a stopgap, I mean, who knows what it's going to be. Um, I, but I agree with you. I, I don't think it's Cam Newton, and I don't think it's either one of the guys that are on the roster that's starting week one next year. No, so we'll have to see where they go from there moving as a Bucks, forward. As a Bucks fan, I hope it is. <laughs> Even though yeah. Kyle Allen beat us in, beat us in London, but 
uh, yeah, I mean, they, they got they got a lot of things they got to fix. And look, they're still top five in the NFL in sacks. Yeah. Yeah, that, that defense isn't, isn't playing as well lately. No, no, they, they've been deflated. bad the last four or five weeks. But yeah, they are deflated, and they don't have help with Ron Rivera being gone, the defensive guy. But I mean, they got young pieces that are coming off the edge there that were really having really big years. Yeah. But I think the point that you've made all along is that you, you, the elevation that Ron Rivera gave to this team, once you take that away, you kind of see they're playing to their true talent level. And I think, right? I think that's the kind of the, the message of his tenure. He was damn good. I think his team's overachieved from their talent level the entire time he was there, which to me is the ultimate mark of a good coach, which I damn sure put him in that category. I've said that from day one. He does a hell of a job, and you see him leaving and what kind of mark it's made on this team. I hope he, I, I know he wants to coach. I hope he lands on his feet. I hope he gets a good job in a solid place. I, I bet he does. I bet he does. If he wants to, again, sometimes you want to take a year off, see what what the, goes on. But I bet you he'll he'll land on his feet somewhere. He deserves to be coaching in the NFL. Now let's move on to one of the most exciting. And, and we said this, but we weren't joking when we talked about this on Friday that we thought this would be one of the more exciting games of the weekend, and it was. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals score twenty three points in the final seven minutes to tie the game, including two two-point conversions, an onside kick, a Hail Mary, all this stuff to send the game to overtime until they ultimately lose uh, on a last-second field goal there. 38-35, Miami-Cincinnati. There was so much fantasy to go around here. Fitzpatrick has a huge day. Dalton has a huge day. Tyler Boyd has a huge day. Devontae Parker, Mike Jusecki have big days. Uh, Really, the only one that was disappointing was Joe Mixon, although we found out before that he was dealing with some sort of illness. I know he popped up with a calf injury on the, uh, I believe on Thursday on the injury report. So he didn't have the day people expected, but pretty much everybody else did that was involved in either one of these passing games. Uh, Jake, what do you take away from this game as the Bengals clinched the number one overall pick? Fun, and I wish I had the balls to start Fitzmagic. I looked at it in both leagues, and I was like, man, he should light him up. They don't run it unless he runs it, which, which helps you out. And I just didn't have the balls to pull the trigger. And he has like 28 fantasy points at halftime. Uh, look, the Dolphins are playing so hard. Devontae Parker's turned into a star. We're talking about a dude that's like 6'3", 210, that runs like that, that's now making plays and living up to this potential. And these Adam Gase tweets and memes are hilarious, but they really have me starting to think. Miami had a bunch of talent on this team the last couple of years. Look at all the guys that have left and the guys that are still there that are being used in a different way that are succeeding. You know, Cincinnati got nothing, but you got to give Zach Taylor and those guys credit. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's so much better than his reputation is to come back, to get onside kick, to keep fighting like that at home. This was just a really fun game to watch and had huge fantasy implications. Huge. I mean, for Parker, Jacecki, the people that made the moves to start them, which I was another one on, on Devontae Parker the last four or five weeks. I, man, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was fun to watch. You know, it really was. And look, Devontae Parker's turning into the player we all thought he could be coming out of Louisville. Like, I mean, this was this was what the dream scenario was. Where people were envisioning what Devontae Parker could be. This was it. And I, I like seeing that he is still playing just as hard and through injuries and all this other stuff. Even at, I know it's early, but even after that new contract, still playing hard, still playing through injury, hasn't lost a, a touch of motivation yet, and is having so much success making tough catches, big catches. He's really he's really a joy to watch play right now. Um, I agree with you about Fitzpatrick. I had him in QB1 territory this week, and I didn't quite have the balls. I got asked uh, a lot was like Tannehill versus Fitzpatrick, and I always went with Tannehill, and he had a pretty good game too, so you're not upset with that. But Fitzpatrick was just slinging it in the in the first quarter even too. He was throwing up – he had two touchdown passes in the first quarter. Uh, Miles Gaskin looked okay at times. Uh, he had a couple of inter- interesting I loved him there. coming out. He's just little. Yeah, he's not – like carry the load kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like they need a feature back, but – 
Yeah, somebody else. Is he, he was okay. He, he looked pretty solid. Yeah, he looked pretty solid. But, you know, Jacecki's really starting to develop. He's someone I'm interested to see, assuming they keep Fitzpatrick, uh, which, again, we'll I'm see. I'm glad what you bring that up, Jamie, because as we're doing week 16, week 17, and these teams that aren't going to be going to the playoffs, we've got to start projecting next year already. Well, all the draft capital that they have and all the movement that's going to have, how do you not keep Fitzpatrick? If, it, well, if it's Tua, if it's Herbert, if you draft one early, they don't necessarily have to play right away. This dude has played so good for you. And by all accounts, at all eight teams that he's played for, he's been a phenomenal locker room guy, a great mentor to young guys. Like the, You couldn't have a better situation from a guy that's that smart, that plays with that kind of balls, with that kind of moxie. Yes, he turns it over a lot because that's kind of his personality. He's a gunslinger. But for a young team, he's got this team believing, and they believe in him. A young quarterback that they draft is in a great situation. Do not get rid of Fitzpatrick if you're the, if the Miami Dolphins. Trade Rosen and let Fitzmagic be your starter slash backup and draft one of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, agree completely. If you're going to draft Tua, let's just use that for example because that seems to be what the, at least the popular narrative outside of the building is, is about Tua. Who knows when he's going to be 100% healthy anyway? Why are you going to throw – you don't need to throw any of these guys right into the fire. Like – you start. You look at the QBs that have had. Look at the young QBs that are having the most success in the NFL right now. Let's let's point to the two QBs having the most success in the NFL right now. That are of the of a young age, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. They didn't throw those guys in on day one. They sat behind veterans with experience and, and Mahomes they learned an the entire offense. year. And, yeah, and Alex Mahomes Smith, another guy that's a great mentor, learned knows the offense in and out, can teach it. Was great to him and knew it was he was taking his place. Yes. And yes, you can. Yes, some QBs can have success right away, but not many. I don't think you win a lot of games playing a rookie. And it's asking you're not going to hurt a here's You have a better chance of hurting a quarterback's development, throwing them out there right away, than having them wait eight games or ten games or whatever into a season behind a veteran. Like it, 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 Tua's not Tua's not going to forget how to play if he doesn't make a start till week ten next no. year. He's not going to forget how to play quarterback. He's going to get better. Yes, because for the first time in about five years, six years, he's going to sit back and watch and hold a clipboard and study and prepare like an NFL quarterback behind a guy who went to an Ivy League school who's brilliant and has played for eight different teams and a lot of different coordinators are going to have a different take on what they're actually being taught that doesn't mind mentoring him. Exactly. So we'll see what happens here, but I agree with you. I think Fitzpatrick needs to still be in Miami next year. And before we get off this game, credit to Tyler Boyd. He had a huge game here, uh, but late in the game when you could see he was clearly banged up and like crawling across the field, he did enough to make sure he'd get back up for a place. So the I'm really starting to think my, my theme of 2019 season is the year of the non-diva receiver. Yeah. I, seriously, it's, you, it's, you it's, had guys like that. Julian Edelman playing last week who couldn't walk. Guys, just like uh, I'm going to tough it out and come out and play. Like, it's been awesome. It, it's not. It has been the the opposite of anything that I remember seeing for years. Where there's not a couple guys sitting out doing different stuff. Other than the only diva is the one that we're not going to talk about. AB who is, hasn't been on the field. No, that, that's been the only drama from receiver, and it's like one of my biggest themes of 2019. And I love it. I I do too. Right, let's move on to the next game here, where it seems like the. NFL world was a little shocked by this, but we were not. We picked this right on the money here. Uh, the New York Jets at home beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 16-10, to knocking the Steelers at least temporarily out of a playoff spot, depending on what happens in Week 17. Uh, the, we saw both quarterbacks for Pittsburgh in this game. Duck Hodges gets benched for Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph gets hurt, and Duck Hodges comes back in this game. Juju comes back, doesn't do much. James Washington, eh. James Conner, eh. Deontay Johnson looked pretty good, caught a touchdown there. Uh, this Steelers team, look, they, they've they've fought as much as they possibly could fight with 
how banged up they've been on offense. They just don't have enough talent on that side of the ball that's healthy right now. They just don't. That's why, to me, this was an easy pick. The Jets have been playing pretty good. They've won some games. They put up 34 points in a bunch of games. Sam Darnold's better at home. Their weapons on offense are healthy, and their defense stops the run, which Pittsburgh can't do because they're all banged up. Their offensive line is not playing as good. And you're going to put it on Duck Hodges? Mason Rudolph looked pretty good. He throws a great deep ball. Absolutely great deep ball. I don't know about the rest of his game, but he throws a beautiful deep pass. He gets hurt. Doc Hodges comes back in and can't catch a snap, much less get a playoff. I, I mean, it's uh, it was ugly. And it, to me, it was an easy one to pick. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, – I'm with you. I, I didn't understand what the, what all the, the love for the Steelers in this game was. I know the Jets haven't been an exciting team to watch all the time, but they're a team that's been a lot. Not all the time, but they've shown enough. Yeah, that, I mean, sooner or later, the, what you look at on paper goes, okay, this happens. Like the Browns are the anomaly of the year being that talented and suck that bad. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But the Jets have been playing better. They have been. Darnold plays better at home. They've got weapons. I mean, like, to me, it was easy. Like, Pittsburgh's defense is good, but they're not the Steel Curtain. They're not 2008 no, Steelers. They're not. But, but they're not at all. And it's just, like, it's just, I don't know. I was a little surprised by everybody being so surprised in this game. Not a lot of fantasy value. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is an okay game. Jameson Crowder, okay. Robbie Anderson has that nice catch in the end zone. But this game was kind of what I expected it to be fairly low scoring, and the Steelers just ultimately, in the end, not being able to do enough on offense to get the job done. Uh, let's move on to a game with a lot more fantasy relevance, a lot more scoring. Uh, the New Orleans Saints take care of business on the road, 38-28 over the Tennessee Titans. Drew Brees throws for three more touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, the national nightmare of his touchdown list streak is over. He gets in the end zone twice on the ground. And from a Tennessee side of things, they fought without Derrick Henry in this game, who they held out, I guess, because this game – because of weird strength of schedule or strength of victory, I believe that this game technically didn't matter for playoff positioning for Tennessee. So they went cautious and held out Derrick Henry. Uh, Tajay Sharp has a big game. Adrian Brown gets shut down in the receiving game, but has an awesome 50 yard touchdown run that saves his fantasy day. Uh, Jake, what are your takeaways from both teams here? Uh, one, AJ Brown does have a solid day, but I was really worried. I didn't play him because of the receiving thing. The, the touchdown run was spectacular. Does it mean he look like he's bigger than everyone on the field he as he's running? It looks like there's some kind of glitch in the matrix of digital TV that he looks bigger. Like, can you imagine him and DK Metcalf on the same team at Ole Miss? Yeah, why did they put more offense? When they got off the bus, like, if you're a DB, even if you're at Alabama, you're like, oh, damn, which side do I want to be on? I don't, I don't want either one of these dudes. He's better than DK Metcalf. He, he has lateral agility. He can move. But those two are absolute monsters. Tannehill's made himself a ton of money. If you're a Tennessee Titans fan, Man, you're happy. You're good because he's taken his entire stigma of not being able to stay healthy. What can he do? He's solid. He is absolutely solid. You're going to pay him. You're keeping him. Your nucleus is built. You need to get some pieces back. On the other side, Drew Brees was not very good. He is not that good away from home. They got to get home field advantage or they do not have a chance. Uh, But Mike Thomas, I told you he was going to break the record in this game. I didn't know it was going to be like that. I mean, he's freaking spectacular. Double covered, bracket coverage. Didn't matter. Uh, Jared Cook, another big game. Camaro looks finally healthy. It's another guy that dealt with injuries that his production went down because he was out there, but he couldn't even carry the load. Latavius Murray was a bigger deal than he should have been for a long time, but he's finally healthy. They look good going to the playoffs, but they got to get home. Yeah, no, I agree completely across the board there. And I think for next year, I think the Jared Cook stuff is really good to see because we've, from both a Saints perspective and anybody who's trying to draft Jimmy Graham over the last five years, everybody's been trying to find that like, that connection again, that Jimmy Graham-like role. And, and look, Jared Cook's not going to be that, but if he can at least – But he's been really good the second half He's a legitimate tight end one going into next year. Like He's a guy that's going to go among yep. the top ten tight ends. Uh, 
And Taysom Hill's not no, going away. No, he's not. And they continue to use he, He's going to play 15 positions. Dude is an absolute beast of a football player. Like, I just – I love – I think every team should have a dude like that, whether he throws passes and catch passes or not, if he just plays special teams. That dude is a football-playing machine, and I love to watch him Oops. out there. That fake punt was absolutely yes. brilliant. Other than how do you run a fake punt to a dude that's obviously practiced it? It was the worst attempt of a catch I've ever seen from an NFL player. It looked like he had never tried. He'd never seen a football before. He crossed. I mean, Taysom Hill threw a bullet out there, but he crossed his arms trying to catch it, and it hits him in the face mask. And he couldn't be more wide open. My dad is screaming, "Fake, fake! Watch the fake!" As we're watching the game, they run the fake, and he throws a perfect pass. He goes, "We watched the replay." He goes, "That hit him in the damn face mask." It it was odd. It was, it was yeah, it was uh, let's go into the next game with no playoff implications, but again, it was really exciting matchup. A lot of offense. The New York Giants uh, in overtime defeat the Washington Redskins 41-35. Hello, Saquon Barkley. Welcome back to being healthy because, man, does he look I was going to say, speaking of somebody getting healthy, oh, my. So my lovely wife that I lost to, and I'm going to eat crow again, has Saquon Barkley back healthy, Melvin Gordon, and Devontae Freeman is the three running backs that she played in this game. By the way, she had Tenny Hill playing. She had Mike Thomas playing. She lost Chris Godwin last week and played Allen Robinson. Uh, I got dusted again. But I'm watching the ticker literally just going every time Saquon's out there. Receiving touchdown. Running touchdown. He had 110 yards rushing on five, six yeah. carries in the first half. Like, I'm going to eat a little crow on this one, too. Dwayne Haskins, hurt. who looked God awful for the first couple of weeks. Looked pretty good last week to the point where I really want to start Terry McLaurin. I'm glad I did. Uh, he's like 10 of 12 for 104, 20, 30, 20, 30 yards and two touchdowns before he gets hurt. He looks like he was starting to come into his own. That's another guy that didn't play early that sat for a while. He probably played before he was actually ready. But getting in there and playing the second half of a team, a season on a bad team, he looks okay. Like that job looks a little bit more appealing to some of these coaching candidates than it did before when you have a piece like McLaren, guys coming back off of injury if he can stay healthy, and you look like you do have a quarterback. Like, he looks he looks okay. He looks good. And Sims, it's your yeah. boy Sims, turned into a freaking monster again. That dude run after the catch. He's, he's quick, so man. Like, he's hard to cover. He's so fast. Yeah, it, my, my biggest takeaway was like yours, Jake, was that Dwayne Haskins, before getting hurt, has looked now pretty good. And he considering how awful he looked when he's the first few starts that he made – this is significant progress, and it's enough to say, okay, I can work with this. I have a chance yes, to make sure. this work. And that, again, that puts an entire different change on this job than what we thought it was going to be four or five weeks ago. Uh, By the way, on the know, other side, New York Giant fans, quit forgetting that Danny Dimes is a damn rookie. He looks spectacular coming back off injury in this game. You've got some pieces there. If you can stay healthy, fix the offensive line, keep Saquon upright, there's no, no, no Evan Ingram in this game. Danny Dimes was phenomenal. He threw, what, 354 yards and four touchdowns? five. Yeah, like, dude, you're just fine. Stop this draft pick crap. Unless it's, you absolutely want Chase Young that bad. If you're picking the top six this year, you're getting a bona fide perennial pro bowler superstar, or should be, which is going to help you because you need them all yes. over the place. But, like, your quarterback situation and your running back situation are just yeah, fine. Like you're fine. I mean, once you fix the offensive line, which, again, is easier said than done, I'm aware. But your offense, you're set on offense. You've got your young quarterback. You've got your young running back. You've got receivers that you trust. Evan Ingram will come. Hopefully, now that they shut him down, he'll come back next season perfectly healthy. You've got weapons there. You fix the other side of the ball. All of a sudden, this is a team that is getting young and good at the same time, which has been the formula for success in the NFL. And 
both these young quarterbacks looked really good in this game, and you have to be encouraged if you're on, on both fan bases. Have to be extremely encouraged, uh, well, especially from what you saw in the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, NFC East. It's winnable. What the hell? It's Who, who's your favorite next year? I have no idea. Philly, if healthy, by far, because who the hell knows what Dallas yeah. is. We'll get we'll get into we'll that, get in that in one second. But let's go into the Denver Broncos and Detroit Lions. Uh, this was the lock of the, the lock of the week, which hit two locks of the week in this game, which was the, the Broncos team total over and them covering the seven. Uh, 27-17, The Broncos start off a little bit slow, get down ten nothing early, uh, but come storming back. Philip Lindsay has a really nice run late. Gets gets over a hundred yards and a touchdown. Drew Lock looks okay in this game. Uh, to your point, Cortland Sutton looked okay, but got shattered by Slay for most of the game, so his totals were kept down, but still had an okay game. Galladay's been really good again, even with just block quarterback play. Carryon Johnson returns. Not a lot of fantasy value in this game overall, but I think we do need to talk about two things. One, Kenny Galladay continuing to perform even with third-string quarterbacks in, and Philip Lindsay having a, another really – he's not getting as much hype as he did last year for obvious reasons, but having another really solid season for Denver. You know, it's kind of a theme in the NFL, though, in the NFL fan bases and NFL fandom as a whole. That what happens the first eight weeks of the season is what everybody thinks you are in week 16. And people forget that there's eight games in between there. We talked about with the Bucks secondary, Philip Lindsay started off slow, and this offense was god-awful. He's been good the last four or five weeks. I mean, dude's a star player. I love what, what, uh, what Denver's building. That defense is going to be okay with Vic, period. I mean, they're top six in the NFL. They started off slow, but they're going to be fine. They get Chubb back next year off the ACL. I like Drew Locke. I, mean, I love the fact that he's going to get some starts, that he had one really good one and broke an NFL record on his first road start in, in Houston, which now makes a lot of sense to me now that I've seen them live. Um, I like what they're building. And, you know, they know they got to keep pace. The Raiders' young running game, the Raiders are going to be okay. The Chargers, I don't know what the hell they are, but if they get Rosen, like I said, and they get four more starters on that team because of the salary cap change from, from Rivers, the AFC West is going to be, whew, it, it could be really interesting, but I like what Denver's building there. They need a couple more pieces, but that young offense, they're going to be okay. Uh, Corlin Sutton, I, I played him anyway, but he's almost matchup proof. I mean, he, he ended up with like 980, 9.8 points, something like that. But Slay is – Darius Slay gets no credit for being a top five corner in the league. And he's still he's lost in Detroit. I mean, that's unfortunate, but he right. really pays attention anymore. But uh, and what do you think about that? All the reports indicate Matt Patricia's coming back uh, next year for Detroit. I, I know that the, you have to give them. It's going to happen because it's been two yeah. years, and, and Matt Stafford got hurt. I guess you have the built-in excuse there. Although, again, but you also went you went straight New England contingent. Yeah. You hired the GM, who then brought in Patricia. You know you got to fire them both, and nobody's ready to do that after two years, as bad as it was. And you have the built-in excuse of Stafford getting hurt, and you looked pretty good early at times. Like there were some decent coaching jobs going on there. Uh, there's been questionable coaching jobs since, but you're not moving on. Two no. Years. I, However, they do need to start thinking about QB of the future because back injuries just – they don't go away. And this was a major back injury for Matthew Stafford. So something, again, I don't think they're taking one in the first round. That he apparently didn't know he had until Sunday yeah, morning. so that's, that's – I'm, I'm throwing up air quotes for those yeah, of you who can't so, see. Uh, that's something that they're going to have to start thinking about. Let him out of there. I, please let him go somewhere else and finish yeah, his career. Go to, go to L.A. Go to I, think he, I think he'd look great. I think he'd look great in creamsicle. I'm just saying. No, well, I'm sure you would. That's not a shot at any of our quarterbacks, people. It was a joke. Sure, he, would, he would look good. Uh, in- I, I love Matthew Stafford. I've loved it since he came out. I talk about every year how talented he is, and he gets caught in the wasteland of Detroit. Yep. But he's got some. I, 
he's got some good receivers. They got some good pieces. I mean, dude is, is supremely talented. He really is. And hopefully he can come back fully healthy from that back injury. I'm glad they at least shut him down. I hope so, too, because he's, he's young. I'd, I'd love to see him get another eight years yeah, out of this career. Back injuries scare me, and I'm just, I hope that just for the sake of – for his own for his own sake and for the sake of fans that like to watch him play, that he comes back healthy. Uh, let's move on to the AFC West battle. The Oakland Raiders keep their playoff hopes alive with a 24-17 to victory over the L.A. Chargers. Uh, the Chargers, once again, continue to fail against teams they should beat, even though they are more talented than them. No Josh Jacobs in this game. DeAndre Washington looks pretty good. Uh, someone's going to pay him in the offseason to go somewhere, so that's going to be one to watch. Uh, Derek Carr, 26 of 30, 291 and a touchdown. Hunter Renfro in his return catches that big touchdown early, finishes for 7-107 and and a touchdown. The Raiders are still alive. They need they need a few things to happen. They, they, need- they needed 10 things to happen, and five of them happened yeah. yesterday. And you look at the other five that need to happen, and they all make a lot of sense. It could happen. It could absolutely happen. Like, they, the Steelers aren't getting in. The Titans lose to the Texans. Those other three things could happen. Like, it's... They could, they could get in. They're, look, they're, they're a long way from being where they want to be, but that young team got beat up. The secondary is going to be a lot better next year. They got a bunch of draft picks. What is all this crap about them getting rid of their quarterback? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Derek Carr's been yeah, fits exactly what Gruden wants to do. Got, yeah, and he, but they got nothing to throw to. Yeah. They run it. His completion percentage is off the charts this year. He's played really good. This, this whole, like, all the draft network stuff I'm seeing, guys tweeting and people tweeting at them about quarterback change in Oakland. Hell no, you're set. No, I, I don't understand. Like, that's one thing you don't have to worry about there. You are good. Add another running back, so you have two. Yeah, I also think people, people are forgetting. The, the idea was they were building this offense around Josh Jacobs and Antonio Brown. And this Antonio Brown stuff just happened during training camp. It kind of blew everything up. Like they brought in – again, they took Renfro in the middle rounds to, to come in as the guy they wanted to ease in. They had Tyra Williams, who they liked as a number two, but he wasn't supposed to be the featured guy. Like th- this, this offense, they had to kind of change on the fly because I-, I know they never really had Antonio Brown, but they were planning and they were building their team as if they did. This whole offseason for them would have been a lot different if Antonio Brown didn't get traded there. Look, Mayock and Gruden did a hell of a job. Gruden did a hell of a job coaching them up and helping Mayock in the draft, but this young draft they had was awesome. These defensive players, Max Crosby, Clint Farrell, uh, Abrams yeah. was a, is going to be a beast. The, the corner from there, the safety from Mississippi State that went out early. Uh, they're going to be okay. I mean, they turned it over from the oldest roster in the league to the youngest. The Bucks are the second youngest. But you see a lot of these draft picks on both teams that they both had really good drafts of guys that you're going to be really excited about watching in the future. I mean, they're going to be – if they get in, great. It's just an awesome story. It's the Raiders. Uh, but they're going to be okay moving forward. The Chargers, what the – what is going on? This, this, this is why, again, the point I want to make, if, if I hear one person bring up their point differential to me in the offseason, I'm going to lose it. We need to stop it. Shut the hell up with point differential. It's wins they, and losses. Because they choke He's teams away. Rivers. That's why. They, they, when they win, they blow teams out, and they choke away games when they should win. That, that's why. They're not unlucky. They're try, everyone's like, oh, well, the Chargers. This defense should be suffocatingly yes, and dominant, not. and they're nothing. This offense should be putting up 35 a game, and it doesn't. It makes – it's Phillip Rivers. Like, has he really gone that far downhill? He's played awful. He's had a terrible year. But he doesn't look to me that different than he has the last couple yeah. years. Physically. I don't know. It makes no sense. I don't know. I that is that team is so talented. And that's what I'm saying. You like you add Rosen with a guy with you know a big monster arm that's smart, that's cerebral, can do a lot of stuff they want to do on offense with all the pieces they have, and then you add like four starters with the cap differential and the cap's going up twenty million. Let Melvin Gordon go. Fine, you save a bunch of money there that you don't have to pay. I, I, they should be phenomenal. And I love Anthony Lynn. 
a good coach, really good dude. Like they got a good staff. I just, I, that makes no yeah. sense. It, look, it, it has to be deflating. And Philip Rivers finally talked about it after the game, how it is to play home games in giant air quotes with no fans. You left San Diego. LA is not your fan base. You play in a soccer stadium that holds 30,000 people and it's full of the other team's color every single week. By week 16, that has to be beyond demoralizing. I went to a game there last year. I went to the Raiders Chargers game there last year. It was solid silver and black. And the Chargers fans that are there don't even feel like they can say anything because they feel like they are. If you, like, if you ever been to a road game and you're wearing the other team, the, the, your home team, you're wearing the road team's yeah, colors, yeah. Like, you don't feel yeah. real comfortable. You don't feel comfortable. You're not like talking smack. Even if you win, you're just like, I right, we won, get me out of here. That's how they feel at home. That's got to be beyond demoralizing by the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, look, they, they play eight road games and eight neutral site games every year. It's, it's a factor. Like, it's just, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just. And it's not going to get no. any better when they're renting space from the Rams in this Taj Mahal that they're building. Yeah, it's, I, I, there, there are a lot of issues that LA has to deal with on and off the field, but uh, they, they, they should be a better team than they are. Like, they're, they're going to finish the year 6 and 10 or 5 and 11, and that's ridiculous for the amount of talent that they have. But, boy, I, I, there's not an easy fix there. But we've talked about some of the things. And don't and save me the injury stuff too. Every team's got injuries. Yeah, but they don't have injuries. They had injuries, but they didn't have injuries to some of the key guys. Like the quarterback didn't get hurt. Like it's just Derwin James, Phillips. They lost both starting safeties. They both they both came back. But yeah, offensively they were okay. A couple offensive linemen again, but you get your left tackle back halfway through the year. I mean, like Okung. I mean, like they had him, but you can't use that as an excuse either. Like they they was a. Be by far the most disappointing team of the season. Well, speaking of disappointing, let's get into this next game: the battle for the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles win seventeen to nine. So much controversy coming out of this game. There was a big fourth down play that uh, Ezekiel Elliott was not on the field for, where he took himself out. There was a big play late in the game where the coaching staff couldn't get Amari Cooper into this game. A lot of hand wringing. Uh, they uh, for the second time this year to steal of which Eisen joke they lost to the Jets because they were not able to get home on time because of some plane mechanical issues. Uh, everything is – the sky is falling in Dallas, and Philadelphia did enough to get the job done, but not really enough to inspire any confidence that this team is going to be more than one and done in the postseason. Uh, yeah, and I, it, it is the final nail in the coffin for Jason Garrett at this point. I mean, there's there's no way Jerry can sell to this fan base. I'm bringing him back. I, there's, there's, I mean, Jerry's a salesman. I love, you guys know I love Jerry. There's no way you can sell it at this point. You have to sell the optimism of a, of a new coach with an extremely talented roster and then add some more pieces. You just, you just can't sell it at this point. This, had, this might be more disappointing than the Chargers we were just talking about. This, this absolute collapse where like all they got to do is win. Literally, halfway through the season, they hadn't beat a team with a winning record. Then you get way past that, and they finally do. But you literally we're sitting there looking at the books going, they don't have to beat a team with a winning record to win the division and go to the playoffs. And they still couldn't do it. I, we, we talked about this game the other day when we were picking it, and I'm like, all right, you talk me into it. Even if Dak plays with a shot-up shoulder, I'm taking the Eagles. And the Eagles dominated. They're up 10 nothing. Carson Wentz, is, he's got nobody. Zach Ertz goes out early in this game, and they still get it done. Like Carson Wentz is a superstar. So go back three or four weeks where people are questioning him and these idiot Philly fans talking about Nick Foles. Do you have an absolute elite quarterback with balls of steel and guts for days as your quarterback? Appreciate that. It's, it's stop all this other crap. You could build around that. They're going to be fine moving forward. I mean, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs, but this game was yeah, just ugly. Yeah, it's an ugly game all around, but I echo your sentiments on Wentz. I mean, look look who he's throwing the ball to. 
Uh, I mean, Goddard has a big game here. Miles Sanders is really coming to his own in the second half of the year. They needed him to because Jordan Howard, again, I don't know if Jordan Howard's playing again this year. Uh, so he's really emerged in that role. But they're just so – I talked about him in the preseason. I just didn't think it would take this long. I, I thought he would have a monster second half, not a monster back quarter. Yeah. But, he, yeah, he, he's turning he into really a star. He really is. And, but, I mean, they're hurt. They're banged up. That, that, their, their secondary is still god-awful. Uh, they're going to have to fix that. Problem. Awful. But they played they good did, in this they game. They played good in this game. Because, really, I'm the only Cowboy that had a really good game was uh, was Michael Gallup at 5 for 98. I mean, Zeke had okay because of the seven catches. So, in PPR, you got enough to get the job done there. Cobb has an okay game. But I, this is just – again, Dallas has way too much talent to be this this 8-8-ish eight eight team that they're going to be and missing the playoffs. They, they have to make a change. Um, and again, I think Jason Garrett coaches somewhere well again, maybe not next year, but somewhere uh, as a head coach. But there's at this point, you have to make this change. You know, there's just no way you can keep the status quo, given how much money Jerry's now spending on that team and how much talent's on that team uh, this season. So and now you, now you bring in like, what do you do with Dak? What do you do with Amari Cooper when he can't get on the field late? And he's apparently bitching about running short routes and long routes and the coaching, the game plan. I, I, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting offseason. Yeah, I'm not deep. sure they're going to pay Cooper. Um, I think they're going to end up paying Dak, but I don't think they're going to pay Cooper. Uh, I think that, that this is the probably the worst-case scenario for him, uh, the way this thing's played out this season for him with the injuries and some of the other stuff. Uh, but we'll see. Somebody so, is. Somebody absolutely will. <laughs> Some, we'll somebody see. is. But they don't, have, they don't have the money to there. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, this was the, the more surprising result, go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks by two touchdowns, 27-13. to 13. So two, The two big takeaways here, A, Seattle losing this game, so now it sets up. Uh, this really exciting finish on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 with the 49ers and the Kyler Murray. That's been flexed to Sunday Night yeah. Football. That's yeah, they flexed awesome. it to Sunday Night Football. Uh, and the hamstring injury to Kyler Murray, which might keep him out uh, of Week 17. So we might see – we might have seen the end of his rookie season already. Uh, and also, by the way, and Kenyon Drake just rushing for all of the yards, trying to go for – he's trying to do the Derrick Henry from last year, a guy that was on the periphery of RB2 territory that just has the monster playoffs of all time. Uh, it was Derrick Henry last year, and it's Kenyon Drake this year with 166 yards and two touchdowns in this game after his four-touchdown game last week. Jake, what are your takeaways from this game? Well, it's another one of these Adam Gase memes of another dude that left that's having supreme success. I said when they made the trade, he's going to be the starter week one. Don't be surprised if that's the case. That's definitely happening now. They're going to break the bank to pay him. They love him there. Uh, they've got Chase Edmonds on a rookie deal. J- David Johnson's done. They beat the hell out of him. Chandler Jones, I've said all year, I've said for years now, superstar that gets no love. He's at 19 sacks. Four sacks and two forced fumbles in this game against Russell Wilson, which is not easy. People, that might be the hardest dude in the league to sack. Four sacks, two forced fumbles. They ran it down their throat. I'm not sure Kyler Murray's the best quarterback on that team, but he's had a hell of a year as a rookie. Brett Hundley is damn good. He was damn good in the preseason. He looked good when he's had to play in the past. He fills in phenomenally in this game. But their defense shows up and plays awesome. Chandler Jones was awesome. Their defense has sucked all year. I thought Russell Wilson was going to light them on fire and throw for 350 in this game. They couldn't do anything. It's an absolute beatdown from the jump in Seattle, which the home field advantage has done. I think they're back to like one game over 500 over the last two years. And the Cardinals own them. We owned him when my dad was there. Happy for Cliff to go up there and kick the crap out of him and keep that thing going. Like, that is, that is State Farm Stadium North. I, I mean, it's just – it's inexplicable to me how Seattle could lay this big of an egg against the Cardinals team that looked so bad a couple weeks ago, looked good at home last week against the Browns, and then they go up there and get just destroyed and beat down. I, I don't get it. I, I, Seattle's got serious defensive issues. I've said that all year, but – 
they just got destroyed. I mean, Kyler Murray wasn't doing anything in this game. He ran for 40 yards and was 118 yards when he when he pulled his hamstring. Well, now Seattle doesn't have just defensive problems. They have running back problems. Chris, no running yeah, back Chris left. Yeah, Chris Carson and TJ Proceis look like they're both going to be out for the rest of the season. As, Beast mode. As is their starting left tackle. Uh, and yeah, they're good. Marshawn Lynch is meeting. You're hearing, you're hearing. No, they're the meeting rumors. with him today. I believe. Uh, I believe that's the report. Um, so they're meeting. I, I saw him. I saw him in LA, uh, like week four. I'll just leave it at this. He didn't look like he was in football shape. Too many skittles. There, there could have been a few skittles going on. I mean, look, it's beast mode. He don't really need to be in football shape to get get through one week, uh, and then you know, playoff run. But and it's a different yes. offense. I don't think he played for Brian Schottenheimer at all. But look, if you're if you you sign him, you do what you got to do. But yeah, you're that desperate. It's not like anybody else on the street at this point with all the other in, running back injuries in Arizona and Detroit already wiped off the street market for running backs. Bring him back and let's see how it goes. But I, I think this those running back issues and that left tackle, I, Seattle's yeah, done. Yeah, I, I can't I can't see this now. And I guess the only other name that comes to mind on the market might be C.J. Anderson. So you maybe have that second year. I'll just kind of keep with that theme. I, I think you have to sign them both and go to a straight power yeah, run. Yeah, I mean, because there's no way Marshawn Lynch is getting 20 no, carries in, week, in his first right week now, back. The only, like he, he in that kind of shape, I'll tell you yeah, that right, right now, now. The only other back on your roster is your six-round pick, Travis Homer, who I learned about yesterday. So, I, I mean, it, it's they have some issues now. I mean, I know they still have Dwayne Dwayne Brown's a superstar, yes. by the way. I mean, their left tackle since that trade from uh, Houston, it's just a giant blow. The offensive line's not that good anyway. He's one of the staples of it. He's playing good. You have major defensive deficiencies. You used to be able to stop the run. I mean, Bobby Wagner's banged up. I get it, but like, uh, I don't know. A lot of, a lot. For the Cardinals and that that Cardinals team to come up there and, and Kyler Murray to be doing nothing and beat you like that. No confidence moving no. forward. And look, they have a chance to win the division on Sunday night, but uh, Russell Wilson hasn't been the same player for fantasy purposes the last few weeks, which is why I wasn't. I mean, a lot of people had him as their like number one or number two quarterback this week, and I didn't, uh, just because he hasn't been putting up those huge games like he was at points earlier in the season. Uh, let's get into Sunday night football. The Kansas City Chiefs roll over Chicago, twenty-six to three. Damian Williams returns, gets in the end zone, sixteen for sixty-five on the ground. Mahomes throws two touchdowns, uh, one for one to Williams, one to Travis Kelsey, and the Bears. Well, they showed up. Uh, Jake, what do you think about this game? I told you it was the Chiefs' defense that was going to make the difference for four or five weeks now. It's exactly what we're talking about. Like the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, everybody thinks because of what you did the first eight weeks, you're not getting better. They've been really good for five weeks. Go back and look at the stats. They've been really good. The secondary's playing really good. They're rushing the pass. They're stopping the run when you could run it all over them before. Uh, Bears couldn't get anything going in this game. Allen Robinson was okay, but they couldn't get him the ball. I think they were trying to force it. Nobody really did anything. Trubisky was blah. But it was really because of this Chiefs defense. Giving it right back to that offense who you know was going to score and put up enough. But they, it was just a beatdown. I mean, they, two weeks in a row, they give up three points. Would they end up giving a six or whatever it was in this game? Uh, the defense is awesome. They, they Back-to-back three-point performances for that defense. Yeah, they're, they're, Kansas City's a scary team right now. Uh, I, I think they're uh, – I, I would pay good money to watch them play the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. I think that would be – After one of them already beats the brakes yeah, off the Patriots. That would yes. be really exciting. And, that, I mean, that would be the path. I mean, that, that would be the path to get it. So, um, you know, it, it, for the Chiefs, it's beat the Titans most likely. Maybe the Raiders, maybe the Steelers would likely beat the Titans, then beat the Patriots. And the Ravens at that point just have to beat Houston, Buffalo, um, one of those two teams. So – We'll see. That, that can very much happen. Uh, look, this, this Bears team, another disappointing team this year. Uh, they probably will finish right around 500, but really not. I kind of called that, though. You could yeah. see that last year was one of those things where you got hot. Your defense was playing at that kind of level. 
you were making things happen. You probably surprised a lot of people you shouldn't do. And then you got hot and you overbelieved and overachieved. You could see them taking a step back this year. I don't know if it was going to be this big of a step no, back. No, and at least they showed but, some some signs in the second half here with Trubisky in particular of, yeah. of the season, not this game, but of the, of the season of like, okay, this season wasn't a complete disaster, but they have some issues. Same thing. Trubisky was got off of the first half, and then he played four or five weeks in a row. He was really good, and he wasn't terrible in this game. He, they just couldn't get it done. Kansas City's defense was playing really well. But, like, you're you're okay there. You feel better as a Bears fan moving forward, Trubisky, than you did after week, what, seven or eight, nine, ten, when they were talking about Cam Newton trades and, and all that Absolutely. kind of stuff. But they're going to be okay. But it was, it was underachieving. But they really don't have that much talent. And they had some injuries. They suffered on that offensive line. All right, let's talk about Monday night football, the, the last matchup of the fantasy football season for most of you. Uh, the Green Bay Packers come into Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings are five-point favorites in this game. No Dalvin Cook, likely no Alexander Madison, so Mike Boone should be featured prominently. Uh, everybody else, all the other major playmakers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, they're all healthy for this game. Jake, what do you think about this game for fantasy purposes, and what is your pick? I'm staying on the Vikings train. I got I got it right on the line, 31-26. I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout, but I think the Vikings get up and, and Aaron Rodgers trying to bring them back. I don't think Aaron Jones is going to have a big day running it. He may be okay. When he's catching it fantasy purpose-wise, I think Devontae Adams will be okay because he's a star and he's healthy. He's got Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is not one in the new building in Minnesota. Minnesota's better all the way around. Their defense is better. I think Mike Boone's going to have a big night. I think they plug him in. That's another guy that just fits the mode of the running backs that they have there. He looks a lot like Cook and Madison. We've talked about that already. And who, th- who thought in the fantasy football finals that you and I and, and those of us that rode Dalvin Cook all year would be looking at this? And you get to the point where I've played all my players, and I got Mike Boone sitting on the bench. I did pick him up, but it was just, like, too risky because Madison was so questionable. You didn't know what the what the load was going to be like by the time we got here. Uh, I think the Vikings get it done. I'm going to stay on the Vikings. Uh, I'm going to keep, keep driving the train of the Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way, sort of. I think the Vikings win, but I think the Packers cover. I think this is a field goal game. It's kind of a battle of streaks, like you said. Like, Aaron Rodgers hasn't won in that new building. Kirk Cousins hasn't won on Monday Night Football in his career. Uh, I don't read so much into that last one. I just think that's a cool stat uh, to talk about. But I, I'm with you. I think Mike Boone has a big game here. I think he's going to be a top 20 running back this week. Uh, I think that Devontae Adams is going to get his, as he always does. Aaron Jones, you're going to need some help in the passing game from him, which, again, they've, they've shown a willingness to do. So I don't think it's that far-fetched of an idea to think about. But uh, with, with Diggs and Thielen, you know, I don't know. Uh, you don't know about them, and you don't know about no. the tight ends. One of one of both of the two is going to have and, a big again, night. The Packers secondary hasn't been playing as well in the second half as they were in the first half of the season, but they still have been playing well enough uh, that I have some concerns. A lot of a lot of people in the fantasy community were really high on Kirk Cousins this week, and I didn't get it. Like I saw, like his consensus ranking was right around like QB. 13. I still don't get it. Other than like, okay, they're going to take away Dalvin Cook and Madison and Boone's playing, so all of a sudden they're going to change who they are. A coordinator got fired last year because that's not who Zim wanted to be. Yeah. And- they're still going to try to run the rock and play action off of it. And Kirk Cousins is going to have to play well tonight. He's going to have to play well for, for them to win. But I don't know from a fantasy point of view if it's going to yeah, be that so, I mean, I, I know most people out there didn't wait, and I, I rallied against this all week. But I did see him hanging around QB1 territory in expert rankings. And I, I just that's what I didn't get. He was my QB20 this week. So I didn't understand that one. But we'll see. Uh, this is going to be a really exciting game. There's a lot on the line for fantasy-wise. Your whole This could be your entire season on the line for some of you, whether you're trying to hold on or whether you need those, those a big game here to claw back into it. A lot on the line here for the NFC North, so it's going to be really exciting to, to see how this game plays out. Uh, but we also want to wish you uh, Happy Hanukkah if you celebrate. That's already going on. Merry Christmas on Wednesday. Uh, we will be back with you guys on Friday to break down Week 17's games. Uh, we'll ha- but I will have my rankings up on the draftnetwork.com. 
uh, on tomorrow. For those of you that do play in Week 17, we're not forgetting about you. We will have you covered on Friday's show. I will have you covered on my rankings on thedraftnetwork.com. So for those of you that this is not the end, uh, one, bad decision, uh, because we're looking at a scenario where I think uh, Buffalo and Baltimore and maybe even Houston are going to rest their starters, or at least for part of the game next week. So it's going to create a scenario where the best teams aren't winning these games for you in your fantasy matchups. But we understand that some of you don't get to choose what your league does and doesn't do. So we're still going to make sure you're covered with all your rankings and all your analysis going into it. Uh, have a happy holiday season. Jake, how can they follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, and happy holidays. Everybody have a you great week. You can follow week. me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You can follow the show at TDNFantasy underscore. Uh, and con- good luck tonight if you're still, whether you're trying to hold on, whether you're trying to come back and win, whatever scenario it is, good luck tonight. Hopefully you win your fantasy championships, and we will talk to you again on Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.